Bokotov, happy Father's Day. Um, <laughs> um, with today's daf is daf Yutet. We pick up at the um, bottom of Yutchad uh, Bet, and we're dealing with a series, essentially, of hypotheticals or questions, conceptual questions that Rava raises about Tsroros, and the Gemara seems very invested in not resolving any of them because they're all fascinating conceptual questions. Um, one is defining what's some of the body of the animal and its koach. If something hits something, it rolls down the hill and then it breaks. The other, another question is about um, uh, let's try to see if we can remember all of them um, is uh, oh whether this is a Ravashi question whether Sumchis who doesn't hold of uh, of Tsroros what would he hold if it's two degrees removed or two degrees removed he agreed that there's uh, that that's half damages or would he say two degrees removed is still considered to be like Koch and pays full damages um, raises by the way an interesting question about what the Rabbanon would say about two degrees removed would they say you're totally putter would they say a quarter right that sort of didn't get explored. Okay, then came the central question, which actually was addressed at the very beginning of the first paragraph. If people remember whether uh, co- whether when you pay half damages, how much is it like Karen? Other types of payments of Karen. Uh, the question the, the classic half damages of Karen. So one question was, would it come from the body of the animal or from cash? That was the major discussion yesterday. And then the question that we're looking at right now is the question about whether you can warn three times to get it up to full, even though by Karen, the reason for that is that the reason you're paying half is lack of full negligence and the unexpected nature of it, which is not true here. Here, it's the indirect nature of it. Nevertheless, maybe it follows the pattern of Karen, and you would pay full after three times. Okay, so that's the Gemara, the, the possibility the Gemara is dealing with. So we pick up with that on the bottom of Yitzchad Bet, and the Gemara says like this. Um... Tashma, Datani, three lines on the bottom. Datani Rami Bar So we're trying to address this question of Yesh Adalitzroas. If it's worn three times, let's go up to full. Rabbi Rami Bar Yechezkel teaches following Brayta. Tarnagos Shahoshit Roshola Avir Klizuchuchit, the Takabo, the Shivro. So a Tarnagol, a chicken that sticks its head into the head of a of a glass, uh, you know, vessel, jar or whatever, and uh, and you know makes a sound, and because of the sound, it breaks it. The Shivro, Mishalim Dezek Shalain. You pay full. Okay, now that's interesting, right? Because the sound, the voice, is not the direct body of the animal. We just had, a second ago had that if an animal defecates, right, that is not considered the body. It's something that comes from the animal. So here, too, the sound should be a koho. So it's actually the perfect disembodied koho. Okay? In a similar teaching, let a horse whinnies or a donkey break. I think those are the right words. Anyway, and their voice caused vessels to shatter. Uh, so, what's the debate? It sounds like the exact same scenarios of the voices of animals. Is it full or half? So, Dumar says, my love could go into other pluses in So, how do we explain the idea of full? Maybe we're talking that it was done, it did it three times. And top of Yutetamal, this is the debate. That once it's three times, it's up to full. And the other one says, it's not. So the Gemara says, well, of course, with all these reads, like you're reading the Iker debate, which is, you know, into it. Like, it's as, if that's the key issue, why is it absent from the dis- explicit discussion? Anyway, the Gemara says, well, uh, no, one time, it's just the standard debate of Sumchus and the Rabbanan. It's a classic case of Tsuroros, nothing fancy or special. And the debate is, the one that says full, holds like Sumchus, said a normal Tsuroros, you pay full. So now the Gemara says, one minute. Before 
Therefore, but regardless of how we explain it, Zamashunahu, why are you paying full? Why are you paying full? It's uh, even according to Sumchis, it's doing it in an unusual way, right? It's unusual for an animal to stick its head in a vessel um, and to shatter a vessel by the braying or something. So why? So even going to Sumchis, that should be half. But says no, the ispe bizrani or bizrani. So there are seeds in it, so it's natural that it would stick its head to get the seeds. And I assume that the idea and that it, that the sound would be powerful enough to shatter it. I guess if it's in a very tight container, you know, that's not considered mishuna. Or maybe again, somebody was asking me this yesterday. You know, if the act that the animal does is a natural act, even though the circumstances are such that it's unlikely it would have led to that result, it's still not mishuna. Meaning, if it's natural for an animal to stick its head into the vessel because there are seeds in the vessel, and it's natural for an animal to bray or to whinny, then the fact that in this particular case that led to the shattering of a, of a vessel, and most times the, the neighing doesn't lead to the shattering of the vessel, presumably that's still not mishuna, right? Mishuna is judged by how natural of an act was it for the animal, right? Not necessarily about whether it's still unlikely that those things lead to problems, all right? So anyway, that's the Gemara's answer. Okay. Now, so, so we had... do opera singers that can break glass. Can they be fine? <laughs> so they would, I guess. So, okay, so, so, okay, so we don't have a resolution to this question of Geisha Adda Litzroas or not. Another question we do not have a resolution to. By Ravashi, we keep on going back between Rav and Ravashi, different types of questions about these, these interesting theoretical questions. Okay, Yesh Shinu Litzroas Levianesek, or Einstein Litzroas Levianesek. So if you start with the Rabbanon that you pay half for, um, for Tzroros, what if an animal does a shinoi that leads to Tzroros? Okay? So it does something in an unusual way, and we, if we would just have done that with its body, we would have called that Karen and paid half, and now it does it with a way that causes the, you know, pebbles to scatter. So now, you could have re- you could read the question in two ways. You could read the question of, is there a concept of Tzroros of Karen? Let's say an animal is Kavanasul Hazik and it causes Tzroros, right? So an animal is trying to gore another animal. It misses the animal, but it hits into a wall, and that causes pebbles to shatter, and that hurts another animal. Right? You could have asked it that way. Is there Tzroros for an act of Karen? Um, but because the Gemara does not make this a Kavanasul Hazik, it makes it Mishuna. And if you remember, the very fact that we categorize Mishuna as Karen is itself a Chiddush. Why? Because it's unusual. Is that a type of a Karen? Why don't you just say it's an unusual regal, it's an unusual shame? But fundamentally, it's trying to get benefit, or it's doing it derech hilucha. So maybe, if it were Karen, it maybe would be obvious that there's no Tzroros for Karen, if it fundamentally is Karen. But this is paying half, and fundamentally it's an act of regel, or it's a, just a natural act of walking, right? But it's an unusual way of doing it. But fundamentally it's regel where tzroros are relevant. So can you now say, well, it's tzroros plus mishuna, it will all be within regel, it will pay a quarter, right? So I think that that seems to be more what the Gemara is getting at. That the Gemara would say, if it was a real act of Karen, maybe there's no well, such thing of tzroros. You don't. But do we combine two halves? A half times a half is a quarter, okay? Pay a half because of Mishunah and a half of that, and a half of what you normally would pay because of Tzoros. Well, you do it the other way. You pay a half because of Tzoros and a half because of what you normally would pay because of Mishunah. So you get to a quarter. No, I can okay. get it if, it's like a, if, if this is like a knas. Then maybe you can, you know, do a knas on, you know, it's not arbitrary anyway, right? 
But if it's Mamona, like, then it's... I don't understand. The principle is you pay half of what you would have paid. So you would have paid half because it's a, because it's Shoros, but ah, it's Mishunah. So Mishunah tells you you pay half of what you would have paid. So that's the Gemara's question. Okay, but I think, again, it's interesting because it gets to the question of how much Mishunah is seen as a Karen or Mishunah is seen as a type of a half payment within regular or a half payment within, within, within shame because the Gemara does not raise the possibility of is there Shoros for Karen. So let's take a look. Okay. By Ravash, Yeshimu Shoros or Vienna, Yeshimu Shoros or Vienna, why don't we just infer from Rava's question that he already assumed an answer to Ravashi? Why? To buy Rava, because Rava asked, Is there Ha'ada for Tsaros or not? So now, if Rava saying, Is there Ha'ada? Now, again, if you remember just a second ago, we just left off that discussion, it sounded like the Ha'ada was a normal Tsaros, that if it does it three times, does it go up to full? But here it sounds, and Rafi tells us to figure out how these two discussions work together, that the question of also includes the idea that if it was a Mishunet Tzoros, the Ha'ada would raise it also to full. So the Gemara says, one minute, okay, if he's asking, no, because if, if Rava would have held that a Shinoi of Tzoros is a quarter, then what would Ha'ada have done to it? What would it have done to have done it three times? It would have brought it up to a half. So the fact that, now again, why we assume this is what Rava is saying is the Rashi and Tosa sort of our grapple with this, but the Gemara assumes that Rav's, that Rav's position is whether it's a normal Tzoros or a Meshunet Tzoros, Ha'ara will bring it up to full. So the Gemara says from that question, from that assumption, it seems clear that a Meshunet Tzoros is half for Rava. Because if Rav is saying a, a, a normal Tzoros or Meshunet Tzoros, Ha'ara will bring it up to full, that means before Ha'ara we were at half. And therefore Rava presumably is saying that you do not say a quarter. So the Gemara says... Maybe Rav is saying, like, if we can assume a certain answer to Ravashi's question, I have a second level question. If you assume that even when it does a Meshune by Tzroros, it's still going to be a half, will the bring it up to full? Take, we don't know. So anyway, this complicates Rava, because this assumes that Rava's idea of Yeshara applies to a Meshune case of Tzroros, and before this we were assuming Rava's case applied to a regular case of Tzroros. But once again, we have another question of Rava or Ravashi that we don't have resolved, which is, if you combine Shinoi and Tsoros, you go down to a quarter. Okay? Hello, did you have a question? No, I was just, I was, I was just reading Ravashi about the, the question of Hada. Again, it seems like that's what the state Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what you were yeah, exactly. Okay, so by Ravashi. So now Ravashi has the question. Again, we raised this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, two degrees removed. Does that count? Is that like it's koach and it's full or not like it's koach? Does he have a tradition that you pay half in a certain case of Tzoros? Just for him, he would say, I'm not prepared to apply that tradition to a case of koho. To me, that's the animal itself. I'll apply it to two degrees removed. Or maybe he doesn't have the tradition at all. So even Kolokho will pay full. So the Merse says, take it. We don't know the answer. Again, what's not explored and is interesting to explore is, let's say you don't have a tradition. Maybe Kolokho pays zero, right? How about 
Presumably there we could agree you pay zero. There's a certain point where it's not considered, it's considered grama and it's indirect, right? So it's interesting that Kumar seems to be assuming the possibility of full or a half. You could always raise the possibility of zero. What would you say for the rabbanon of kawach kawcha? Do you pay a quarter? Do you pay zero? Right? Also things that are not explored. I don't know. Okay. So now we are done with all of these interesting questions raised by Rav and Ravati around Sroros. You could tell they really got into it because it's a fascinating, raises a lot of fascinating conceptual questions. And the Gemara was like, I seems to be much more interested in the question than in resolving the question. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. Now back to the Mishnah. It was kicking or there were pebbles, you know, coming, scattering from under its feet. So then it pays half. So the, uh, we read the Mishnah. It kicked the vessel directly. So then it pays half because it's Karen, because it's kicking. It's like, Mivat is like intentionally kicking, not just walking. Or it's a Tzroros and it pays half because of the principle of Tzroros of Regal. So in the Mishnah was combined a case of Karen and a case of Tzroros. So let's see how the Gemara, the Gemara has a particular, has a question though, how to read the case of the Mishnah. Ibailu. Hey, Chikomer, how do you read this Mishnah? Do you read it the way we just read it? Scenario one, it was kicking and directly broke something by kicking it. Oh, or scenario number two, it just was Tzroos in its normal act of walking, so one case of Biut, of Karen, and one case of Tzroos, of Ragel, okay, for Abanan, he and it's the rabbis, meaning the second case of the Tzroos is the rabbis. Oh, Dilma, that the case of Mivaetes in the is combined I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, let me do it. Okay, or or you read it that no no no. The first scenario is like we said, it was kicking and directly broke through kicking, that's Karen. Oh, but the Tsuroros case is not a normal Tsuros, it's a Tsuros from the kicking. Oh Tsuros Machmas Biut, or Tsuros from the kicking, Mishalim Khatinezek. Now, if it's if it's then if it's from the kicking, right, basically you've got the case here. Okay. Hey, from Mithalachet. Okay. Um, what's the case? What's, what's the language? Hey, from Mithaetes. Excuse me. Hey, from Mithaetet. Okay, so that's Karen. Um, oh, Shahisa Tsroros. Now, so the question here is, what's this? Is it Miva? Is you read this as two scenarios? Either it was Mivaetes, Karen, or a completely different scenario, Tsroros, okay? Just Tsroros, sort of the normal walking. Or do you read it, it was kicking and broke it directly, or it was kicking and the Tsroros came through the kicking? Okay, so that's the question. Do you read this as Tsroros, or do you. The do you read this as Tsroros? Or do you read this, right, Tsroros of Rego? Or do you read this as Menatsin because of the Mivaetes? Okay, and then it's Tsroros of, of Biut, of Karen. Okay? So that's the question. What is the case two of the Mishnah? Normal Tsroros or Tsroros of the Biut? Now, if it's normal Tsroros, we have Karen and Tsroros, both they have, that's the Rabbanon. But if it's Karen and Tsroros of Karen, okay, so Tsroros of Karen is paying half, 
Okay, why would that be? It would sound like a normal Tzoros would pay full. Like Karen always pays half. So if you're telling me Karen or Tzoros of Karen pays half, you're saying Tzoros is not a special case. Right? It's just much like a normal Karen. So that would be Sumchus. Okay? So, Oh, Tzoros Mahmas be used Misham Chatzinezek. Haki Orche, normally, Misham Nezek Shalim would be full. Umani Sumchus, and it would be Sumchus. Okay, so is the Tzoros of part two of the Mishnah going on Regal or going on Karen? Okay, Tashma Misefa. Let's look at the end of the Mishnah. Darsel Akliva Shibrato. It trampled on a vessel and broke it. Vinavel Ashevar Kliachir Vishibro. And a shard from that vessel hit another Kli, hit another vessel and broke it. On the first one full and the second one half. So that sounds like a classic Rabbanan, right? The first one is direct, the second one is indirect. Sumchus wouldn't hold half. Maybe it means it's stamped on a Kli. On the first one it pays. doesn't mean on the first Kli. It means on the first Kli that got damaged from the shards. It stamped on the Kli and broke it. Okay? You pay full for that. On the first one that is broken as a result of that, on the first one hit by the shards, you pay full. And on the second one, two degrees removed, you pay half. So then it would be sumchis by case. Thank you very much. Sumchis by case of koach kocho. Everybody with me? Okay? And sumchis would make a difference between koach and koach kocho. So you can't say that. Because we are committed to not resolving that question. <laughs> so the Gemara says, El Hadibai Ravashi, Ravashi's question, Koch Kochel is Sumchus, Kochel Dami, Alaka Kochel Dami, he doesn't know whether what Sumchus is wrong. Tim Shotlay, Delaka Kochel Dami. Okay? Say it's not Kochel. Okay? So the end of the Mishnah says, right, Shivro, and then, what, what's the end of, what's the end of the Mishnah? Um okay then it says Rishon is Nezek Shalem and Shani is Chati Nezek so the question is does this if this means if this is Sumchis Tzoros of Biot is half but normal Tzoros is full then Rishon Nezek Shalem means the first one hit by the shard right that would be Kocho and Shani would be the second one hit by the shard Kocho so that would be a possible read of the Mishnah it seems a little not shot but it's not as bad as some of the other things that the Gemara was saying okay but then the, we'd be forced to resolve the, because the position about Subach is that we don't want to resolve so how so anyway so the Gemara says fine Ravashi obviously can't read the Mishnah this way because that would have resolved his question he can't read the Mishnah Subachas so the Gemara says Ravashi Kirabonan Mukile fine you're right Ravashi, it's clear to Ravashi the mission is not Sumchis, because then, because otherwise this would have resolved his question. Okay? So he reads it like the Rabbanon, and this means Gufo, and this means Kocho, just like we thought. Okay? So presumably then, this is Tzoros of Rego, right? That's what it means. Karen or Tzoros of Rego pays half. So, but no, we're going to say even Ravashi questions how to read this Mishnah. Okay, Ubay Lehachi, here's Ravashi's question. Right? So reading the Mishnah like we assumed, directly kicking or normal Tzoros half, okay? Um, but what if it was Tzoros through Biut? 
It was shorter than Bia. Ah, that would be a quarter. Because that would be a combination of Karen plus Sreros. So given that I said before, this is not just Mashuna. Bia, it seems to actually be a Kavanasa Lahazik, the Gemara seems to say. Like, intentionally kicking something is like a Kavanasa Lahazik. So the Gemara here seems to say that if, if, if Sreros Mashuna is a quarter, Sreros of Karen is a quarter. So what Raji would say is, the way you read the Mishnah is, is it Karen or normal Sreros is a half? But Soros of Terence, Soros of Beit would be a quarter. Okay, Ki Ochayu Chatzinesek. I'm sorry. And then read this way, it would resolve the question of Tzoros plus Shinoi, or Tzoros plus Karen would be a quarter, because the mission would only be talking about Tzoros of Regel, not Tzoros of Biut. No, maybe the Mishnah is dealing with Tzoros of Biut, and maybe the Mishnah is saying that whether you're dealing with normal Tzoros, or whether you're dealing with Tzoros of Karen, you're still going to pay a half. Tzoros always plays a half, even Tzoros of Karen. Okay? Chatzinezek, the ain't Shinoi. And Tzoros plus a Shinoi, a Tzoros plus Karen still remains a half. Teku. So now, what the Gemara said is the following. And I want to read the toast. The Gemara said, really, the question we've got is, how do you read Oshai to Tzoros Menatzin? Do you read that as an independent scenario? A normal case of Tzoros? Okay, and then it's telling you Karen or Tzoros is a half. Or do you read this as a, a, a dependent scenario? It was kicking, or when it kicked, it made Tzoros. Now, what, why would Tzoros plus kicking still be a half? There's two possible ri- ways to say that. I, or what would the Chiddush be? Either the Chiddush would be what we just said, that even though it's Tzoros of Karen, it's still a half and it's not a quarter. Or, what the Gemara said before, only Tzoros of Karen is a half. Tzoros of Regel is full and it's like Sobchis. So the Gemara whether the two ways the Gemara has suggested what, what, what combines them is a basic just interpretation question of how to read the Mishnah does the second clause of the Mishnah of the Tzoros going on the case of kicking or independent now how would, what would be the implications of that oh well if it's independent then it's a straight Mishnah kicking or Tzoros is a half but if it's going on the case of kicking it would be telling you one of two things either Tzoros of Karen Tzoros plus Shinoi is still half ain't she knew the Tzoros or the reason Tzoros plus Karen is half is because we're going like Sumchis okay but normal Tzoros would be full now there's a very nice Tosus here that makes an, a good point like you know some you of these points that we associate I don't know so one of the so we haven't introduced Sumchis in the mission maybe the Stam Sumchis so Tosvos um, makes a nice point that you know we would sort of nowadays call it academic Talmud but just to show you that the Rishonim were quite aware of things that the Gemara sometimes does um that, you know, when there's these sort of these layers of interpretation in the Gemara. Look at Tosos, Ravashi Karabadam Mukilo Baile Hachi. The Gemara says like this, Tosos says like this, Havi Machi Lemei Meriti, In Tim Salomar Kami, In Tim Salomar Kami, Masi Salomar Kami, Masi Salomar that's not what I'm interested in. Okay, Venira, now, going about five lines into Tosos, the line, uh, line starts with Roshinoi. Venira, Debaya Dilael, the original question, Lo Aisa, the only original question was, Imas Nisin Ari Bitsroros Ki Orche, O Ayadei Shinoi. How do we the Mishnah by the was it talking about a normal Tzoros or Tzoros plus the Biyut? The Tzoros, that was the whole question that was originally raised in the base Medrash. Ibailu, right, the question was, how do you read this Mishnah? Is it Tzoros normal or is it Tzoros plus the Biyut? Right, and it didn't explicate what the implications would be. The Hashas, 
So the Gemara says, oh, what would be the implications? Oh, well, the implications would be is that the mission like Rabbanan or Sumchis. And once that didn't work, Okay, so basically what you have is two layers going on here. So clearly there was a basic first question of how do you read the Mishnah without explaining what the implications would be. And then the Gemara develops the idea that either the implications could be is the Mishnah Sumchis or Rabbanan or the implications could be is the Mishnah, you know, Yeshinu Litzroas or Ainshinu Litzroas. So again, when you read it, it seems like no, 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 no. There's a Machlokas. Rashi raises this question, you know, the other one thing but it does making it clear actually these are just developing the implications of an initial question that was raised yeah, yes. but I'm still trying to understand the Gemara's reliance on some missionaries not being true to anybody I know that we mm. you know we had this in condition like we said oh yeah or, or no wherever it was like in the Durham, I think like you know, oh the some mission was going like so and so the Gemara said it specifically right here we're going to explore you know, isn't it unusual for really not be true to I mean I hear the point I hear the point the only thing I could say is that this whole sugya that we've been doing yesterday and today seems very committed to keeping all the possibilities up in the air you know and it's much more interesting than that than in actually resolving what the exact position of the Mishnah was and I think the Gemara like I said like I don't know how many halach lemaisa cases they had about throwers it seems less urgent to come to an actual halacha and it seems much more fascinating in terms of the conceptual questions it raises so I don't think it's being as committed to that type of a question yeah this is an observation uh, in general in the fact the, you know presumably the categories of Arbaugh yeah. some kind of logical um, or reasonable explanations right. to why they have all these right. right? And, and when the Gemara investigates all these boundary testing cases right. it doesn't ever refer to what's the logic it wants to categorize everything it's fine as far as it goes but like, it would be nice to take a step back and say yeah if your animal kicks things and it makes sense that right. you know, you're responsible this way and not that way right I mean I totally agree with you I mean I think some of the questions you could raise as exactly questioning like you know what I sort of like like what I would call like the formalist approach or the more sort of like logic approach like the question about Yesha Adelitzroros right the Gemara never unpacks that but presumably that's the question if you go by the logic of it there should be Ein Ha'ada because Ha'ada is about addressing degrees of negligence and likelihood and so on but if you go about the formalist type of an approach well Chachi Nezik works that way after three times it becomes full right so I but I, I now Koch is another case where I don't think it's just a straight formalism question meaning the Gemara sort of said well does he have his tradition by Koch or not at all but we could easily say the question is at what degree does it get more removed and it begins to be in this more gray areas, you know, to Subchus. Does Subchus basically refuse to see graves? Or does he see graves just in different places, right? But I agree with you that the Gemara never, like, the Gemara is interesting in this regard in that it tries to answer the questions by bringing texts and is very committed to not resolve the questions, but it never really unpacks like but the, the logic behind why should it be one way or the other. You know, and some of the times we can sort of figure it out, but yeah, you're right. It does seem very like formalist here, category oriented. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um Rabbi So second wide line. It was a place that it was, you know, it was so filled with pebbles that even any animal that would have walked in this place would have caused pebbles to scatter. 
Okay, big deal. It doesn't matter. It's still Tsroros. It's not because whether it could or couldn't have avoided him. It's a Chatzar Hanizak anyway. It shouldn't be in this other guy's Rishus. Okay, but the point being that it was going to happen, that that was happening anyway. Okay, Ubiata Vitiz Avizika. And it kicked it and caused the pebbles to scatter. Okay? So, um, Mahu, is that going to be now Shinoi plus Tsroros? Because he's basically saying the Shinoi is incidental to the fact that the Tsroros went and scattered. Now, because you can make his where it's not incidental. It was normal walking, it would have only hit 10 feet. Because it was kicked in, it went 20 feet. But, where, but let's assume it's completely incidental. Whether it would have walked normally or kicked, the pebble would have scattered. But in this particular instance, the, steb- the pebble scattered because it was kicked. Is that a case of Shinoi plus Troas and you play a quarter? Or is that just a case of Troas because it would have happened even without being kicked? Okay? Um, uh, since it was going to happen anyway, we just say it's Orche and it's a regular Regel and Troas of Regel and you pay half. Um, in this particular instance, this pebble was, you know, was, uh, was dislodged through an act of Biut, it's an act of Shinoi, uh, and it coming out of and that's why it got kicked Teku so we don't know so that's right that's a, that is an interesting question the particular act was an act of Shinoi but it would have happened even had it not done an act of Shinoi so how do you categorize the nature of the act so, All right. wait, so if it's Chatar Nizak you still say that it would be half and not the Nizak Shalom what if it's Chatar Nizak yeah that's because of Tsroos, it's Regel, right? So, I mean, there's an interesting question about what would you say about Tsroos of Karen. With Tsroos of Karen, Pei, and Rishos Harabin. Okay, we haven't really, like, that's another interesting question which we haven't directly addressed. Okay, Okay, now we are going to do Rishos Harabin. Now, again, there's a very interesting question here, exactly that issue, of whether you have the word Biata, because Biata makes it into a type of a Karen, and then it raises a question we haven't addressed yet, which is Tsroos of Karen. Karen, like a Karen, Chayven Rishos Harabim, or like a Regal and Patron Rishos Harabim. But we're going to take out the word Ubiata for simplicity's sake. Okay, we can go back and think about it later. But let's first work without it. It was going to Rishos Harabim, Vitiza Vehizika, and it's scattered. Mahu. L'Karen Medaminan Le'Vechayeves, Odiyama told the Regal Hiyup Tura. So without taking, with, with taking out the word Biata, it's asking a question which seems to me, I don't know, to be the first question I would ask before I would ask the question of Migufo Mishale. This thing is paying half. Okay? So from a payment perspective, the Gemara said, one minute, half payment we know from Karen is Migufo. So maybe this should also be Migufo. On the other hand, it's Regal. But to me, I don't know, somehow I'm always more interested in the, the whether you have to pay as opposed to how you pay. Okay? So I know. So I'm saying, so this asks that question. It says, do we say half is like Karen and Karen pays in Rishas Rabin, this will also pay in Rishas Rabin? Or do we say, nope, at the end of the day, this is an act of Regal. And an act of Regal pays only in Chatzani you might remember from the very beginning of the sugi. Remember the first sugi in the Masechet where they told Hussein Kiyotze Behem or not Kiyotze Behem and we said we we're talking about, about Sroros and that was not Kiyotze Behem right you might remember that because that pays half 
And then the Gemara says, ah, but it's still regel because it's minhaliyah. And then the Gemara says, one minute, maybe it's migufo. That was the unresolved question we had yesterday. Fine, says the Gemara, even if it's migufo, so the payment is fully like Karen, nevertheless, it's like regel because it's putter and rishos harabim. That was what the Gemara said way at the beginning. That's for us, it's putter and rishos harabim. Here, that seems to be the question that's being asked. Okay, Odilma told the regel who I'm a lay. Misavra told the regel who. Finally, you have an answer that is resolved not by a text, but like just saying, oh no, logically it's a told of regel. Of course, I write it interestingly without explaining what the logic is behind it. But of course, I, I do agree that is the intuitive logic. Just because it's staying out doesn't stop it from fundamentally being regel. Okay. Now, by the way, what is interesting is if you do have the gears of ubiata, right, then is it even going further and saying, this is the question I raised before. When the Gemara Sroos of Mishune, was it thinking about that as Sroos of Karen and Sroos of Rego, right? Maybe the Gemara is thinking that even if it doesn't act of Biut, all cases of Sroos, even Sroos of Karen, are a type of a Rego. Okay? Rashi, by the way, asked that in an early, I didn't discuss that yesterday, but remember the Gemara yesterday about the animal like defecating and the Gemara treated that as Sroos? And Rashi said, well, one minute, that's not Rego, that's Shane, because it's getting Hana when it's just relieving itself. Okay? So Rashi says, well, maybe like all Sroos are always defined as Rego. And I assume what Rashi means is, is that anything that's indirect, that's not the body of the animal, the animal isn't getting pleasure. The animal gets pleasure from relieving itself. So the act of relieving itself is shame. Okay? But the act of damage, where the, you know, where, where, where the stuff hit the, hit the dough, whatever, that is not hana. The animal doesn't get hana from the act of damage. Normal shame is the hana is derived from the act of damage. So anything that would be a sororos of shame, an animal is chomping away at a fruit and a piece of fruit goes and it hits somebody in the eye or something like that. Okay? So the act, the act of the sororos is completely a type of a regel. It's an incidental thing. That's what regel is. By its very nature, it's sororos even originating in an act of shame, you could say the, the, the reality of sororos is always a type of a regel, an incidental damage. Okay? So the same thing could be said here. Even an animal does a biut, unless the animal is consciously trying to kick the rock to hit somebody in the eye. Then that, you could say that that's like, that would be Kavanasolahazik. But if the animal does a bee trying to do Kavanasolahazik right here, and then incidentally the rock goes off, you could say by definition, that's always going to be regel. So that's an even more interesting way of reading the Gemara. That maybe Tzroros of Karen is still fundamentally regel, and would still be Pater and Rishasarabim. Okay? So two ways of reading the Gemara. And he says, Mistava told her the regel, he would make sense that either normal and maybe even Soros of Karen is still defined as Regal. Okay. Now, you have another question. This is a really interesting question. Again, the Gemara is going to not unpack it, but if we think about it, it's really interesting. It's walking in Rishat Rabim, and the stuff goes, and the pebbles hit my vessel in my Rishat Yachid. You're taking your animal where you're allowed to take it in Rishat Rabim, and it dislikes a, a rock that now broke a, you know, broke a, a, a beautiful. Beautiful vase in my yard. So are you chayv or not? 
If there's no problem in the uprooting, how could there be a problem in the landing? Which basically means the, uh, the way I would. Well, a it means your potter. If the animal is no problem when it in Rishus Arabim, how could you be high when it lands in Rishus Hayachim? But the logic makes an enormous amount of sense because I think the reason we assume. Why do you assume your potter in Rishus Arabim? I got a right to be here. If I've got a right to have my animal here, then as long as I'm not doing anything unusual, if it's going in goring or it's doing a mishuna, whatever, fine. But as long as it's just doing the normal things animals do, and I've got a right to be here, you can't make me respond for those types of damage. Well, that's true as well. I've got a right to be here and it happens to kick a pebble. I can't be held responsible whether the pebble hits your, your vase in Rishos Rabim or whether it hits your vase in your Rishos. If it did nothing wrong by kicking it or nothing unusual, then how am I chayav depending on where it lands? Okay, but the alternative is equally possible. And this gets to the question here you see, though, it's not in the Gemara, but this is what I'm reading into the Gemara is the logic. gets to the question of why you put your Rishos Rabim. Because the other argument why you put your Rishos Rabim is not because I have a right to be here. It's because you, having your fruit in Rishus HaRabim, or your vases where you know animals walk around, that's your responsibility to keep your eye on it. And if you're not, then you're, you're, you, you have contributory negligence. Ah, so this is a perfect nafkanina, because I was keeping my vessel in my Rishus. I wasn't bringing it to Rishus HaRabim, and I have a right. So when I, if I go into a public domain, i got to be on the watch to make sure that nothing, you know, that, it's, that, you know, that, that, that I'm protecting it from other things that could damage it. But I have a right within my Rishos to assume that I'm going to be protected. Okay? Now you could say, no, if your Rishos is near Rishos or Rabin, you've got to know that they're flying pebbles. But it's still a little different. Once fundamentally I'm on, in my Rishos, I am not responsible for watching to protect my things. You know, you have to stop your stuff from coming and damaging my stuff. So this seems to get at the core of why you're partnering or Shusharabim. If it's because I have a right to be here, then if I have a right to be here, the pebbles go into your domain, I'm putter. If it's because you're to blame, then when they go into your domain, you're not to blame, and therefore I would, I would be, and therefore I would be chayev. What do you want to say? It's just like an artificial boundary. There's no like, it's just like, it's a concept. I know. I mean, it's a concept. No, but it's weird. There's my property, weird. then there's the sidewalk, and then there's the street. The pebble doesn't know. Oh, now I'm The going. pebble doesn't know. But there's a legal question, right? So if the legal question is, did you have a right to be there? Then the answer is yes, and you're putter. If the legal question is, was, did I have contributory negligence? The answer is no. I have no responsibility to watch my vessels that are in my domain from being damaged by other people. That's not my responsibility. When I bring them into a them, I've got that responsibility, not when they're in my domain. It seems like it's a great question that gets to the core of why you're putter and Rishos Harabim. Let's see what the Gemara says. So the first answer is you're putter. I'll ask you this, says Gemara. An animal is going and it caused damage, whether in the private or the public domain. You're chayev. Now, this is shocking. Because um, my love... So this seems to answer one of the two questions we just asked. Because here you are, you're Chayv and Rishos Arabim. My love, he teaser Rishos Arabim, Vizika Rishos Arabim. The simple read of this is that it did the kicking and the damage according to Rishos Arabim. So you see that Tzrogos are Chayv and Rishos Arabim. It says, well, no, 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 no. It means, he teaser Rishos Arabim, Vizika Rishos Arabim. When it says you're Chayv and Rishos Arabim, it means to kick the pebble. 
in Rishud Rabin. But the damage still occurred in Rishud HaYachid. That's why you're Chayev. Shroos is only Chayev in Rishud HaYachid. Rishud HaYachid means whether whether the kicking no, means whether the kicking occurred in Rishud HaRabim or Rishud HaYachid. But the damage had to occur in Rishud HaYachid. Okay? I understand it's not shot of the Brayta. So the says one minute, but at least you have to concede your second point. But you said if the act of kicking wasn't a problem, it's not a problem where it lands. It says, okay, I'm going to let Hadri be fine. That I retract. You're right, because there's evidence that Tzoros is Chayv and Rishot Harabim. A lot of brightas are going to say that Tzoros is Chayv and Rishot Harabim. So you have to concede one of the two points. Either fundamentally it's Chayv and Rishot Harabim, which is really interesting, which makes it like fully like Karen, or minimally it's Chayv when it did the kicking in Rishot Harabim and it was the pebble landed in Rishot Harabim. Okay, so the Mar is going to continue with this. Okay, Eisve. Torsal Akli Vashibrato, it trampled on a vessel broken. So that's our Mishnah. Okay, the first one full, the second one half, when the shard went and broke it. When is that true? And the first one you're exempt. Listen to the irony. The first one you're exempt because it's regel. But then the shard went and broke another one that you're going to be chayiv in Rashida Rabin. So again, the simple read of this Brighta is even normal tsroros are like Karen and Chayv and Rashid Rabim. And then you have this irony that your putter on the one it broke directly and Chayv half on the one it broke indirectly. So the says, my laws, he teased him Rashid Rabim, he teased him It sounds like a straight case of Tzros and Rashid Rabim is Chayv. But says, well, no, 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 no. I'll say the same thing I said before. He teased him Rashid Rabim, When it says Chayv and Rashid Rabim, it means that the, that the act was in Rashid Rabim, but the damage was in Rashid Yachid. Okay? So it says like this, uh, but you said in that case you're also Pater okay that I have to concede that I retract okay because again there's a lot of kind of itic evidence that Shrosh is Chayv and Rishon Harabim which again Pshat is that it's like Karen but at least minimally we have to concede that what it means is the kicking happened in Rishon Harabim then the damage happened in Rishon Yachi. that at least you're going to be Chayv for okay Aini is this really true doesn't Rabbi Yochanan say when you pay half damages it's going to be the same whether in the private or the public domain and we assume why did you have to say a statement like that presumably it's a way of saying that Sroros pays even in Rishos Arabim my love he teaser up Rishos Arabim he's equal Rishos Arabim isn't he trying to tell you that Sroros pays in Rishos Arabim no he teaser Rishos Arabim he's equal Rishos no 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 again he means that if it does the kicking in Rishos Arabim as long as the damages in Rishos Arabim you're going to pay half and didn't you say in that case you're also Potter? I retract it. Okay. You might see a lot of that going on here. Kiyama Rabbi Yochanan, not Karen. Or maybe Rabbi Yochanan wasn't even talking about Soros. We only meant Karen. You pay half in Rishas Arman and He's rejecting Rabbi Tarfin, maybe, that says Karen, you pay full in Rishas Anizak. Or maybe he's rejecting another position that has says Karen is Potter in Rishas Harabim. But maybe he's just talking about Karen. Okay. Anyway, again, the bright does are clear that you pay for Soros and Rishas Harabim which 
sim- really sounds like it's like classic Karen, even though conceptually it's regel, the halachas are classic Karen. The Gemara gets out of it by saying maybe we're talking about that it's walking in Rishas Arabim, but the damage occurs in Rishas Yachid. Even that, though, makes a very important statement, I would say, less about Tzoros and more about the nature of Rishas Arabim. Right? And it would basically say that even though you have a right to be here, since the guy was keeping his vessels in his own domain, you remain Chayev. And that is, I think, the core question of the nature of Rishas Arabim. Okay, and we're actually going to transition to a similar discussion right now about Rishas Arabim. Let's take a look. Ibai say, and we just, okay, Yosef Rabbi Yehuda Nesiyah, Rabbi Yehuda Nesiyah was sitting, Rabbi Yoshaya, and Rabbi Yoshaya, Akiva did Rabbi Yehuda, on his like doorstep, on his like porch, they raised the following question. If an animal was like waving its tail and broke something, so we're not, not dealing with Strauss, we're back to Regel, okay? And that's the name of the parak, Ketzad Regel, right? So even so hyper-focused on Strauss, there's also just straight Regel to talk about, okay? So an animal is waving its tail and it broke something, Okay, well, we'll see in a minute. What's the halacha? Is that regal or not? I mean, why not? Of course it would be regal. I'm like, Edoch, the key of Zenob is Novavielech? I don't understand. Are you supposed to hold on to its tail as you're walking? Okay, meaning that, now what is that saying? That means, it sounds to be like the question is, but you don't have a right to be in Rosh Hashanah, so it's right, so yeah, hold on to its tail. If you bring your animal in my domain, you're not allowed to be. So it sounds like the question is Rosh Harabim. Okay, are you chayv in Rosh Harabim? The answer is, of course you're pasher in Rosh Robin. What are you supposed to do? Tie a, you know, hold your animal's tail while you're walking with it? So, what the point then would be is that this is getting to the argument of why you're Pacha Rishas Harabim. Why are you Pacha Rishas Harabim? What do you want me to do? I, got it. I have a right to bring my animal here. Am I supposed to, like, watch every step it takes? Tie up its tail? Like, I have to have a certain freedom of movement. And that gets to the argument of why you're Pacha Rishas Harabim. Okay, the question still is why was it asking particularly the question of the tail? Ask it about that's classic regio. So, the Gemara says, all right, so be Patra and Karen. Am I supposed to hold on to its horns while I'm walking in the Rishas Rabin? What type of question is it? Karen love That's not something to be expected. Okay, ha orche. This is to be expected. Now, one minute. Normally, when we say Karen is Lavorche, that's a reason for Karen to be more Chayev or more Pater. More Pater. But here we're saying the opposite. It's a reason to be more Chayev. Right? Because Karen is Chayev in Rishus Rabin and Shane and Regal is Pater. Isn't that ironic? Karen is not normal. And that's, but he, for Rishus Rabin, yes, that exactly is the difference. Because it is a natural thing for the animal to do, and because you have a right to use Rishus Rabin, we have to exempt you. Right? Because we have to say, we cannot obligate you for the normal movement of an animal then you might as well not use Rishos Arabim so the fact that it's natural although normally that's a reason to be chayev because it means more negligence in the case of Rishos Arabim it's a reason to be putter because for society to run we cannot li- make you liable in a public domain where you're allowed to bring your animal for the natural things in animal we can make you liable for Karen that's not going to stop my freedom of movement if I know that I'm going to be chayev if my animal breaks out into a rage and gores something in Rishos Harabim, it's not going to make me hesitate for a second to bring my animal in Rishos Harabim, because I'm not going to expect it to do that. But if you tell me I'm going to be high for things it's going to walk on in Rishos Harabim, I'm going to never bring my animal there. And that's not tolerable. So this is a 
such a great Gemara that it basically, I mean, it doesn't fully spell it out, but it's pretty on the surface, right? That it gets to the tour for Rishasarabim is we have to give you that freedom of movement, and that's why you're Chayev for Karen, and you're Pater for Shane Rego, ironically, the reverse of what we would normally say. But now we have to say, so why am I asking the question about the tail? Why, why is this a special case? The Gemara says, So if the wagging of the tail is a normal thing, what's your question? So the Gemara says, yeah, let's say it was at wagging a little extra vigorously. Okay? So then it becomes a question of Mishuna. Now again, here's something very interesting. Here's something very interesting, right? Mishuna, until now, we've been saying, is a reason to be more exempt, to pay half. But what is the case of, we raised this before, of Mishuna in Rishas Harabim? A Mishuna Regel in Rishas Harabim. Is it going to pay, is it going to be like Karen? And is it going to pay? Or is it going to be like Regel and be Pater? And this Gemara makes it sound like you would pay. Why would you pay? You could say like what Dove was saying before. Well, just formally. We categorize Mishuna as Karen and therefore you pay in Rishas Harabim. But also the logic of Rishas Harabim should make you pay. The reason you're exempt is because we have to make you exempt from natural things an animal is going to do or else you'll never take your animal to Rishas Harabim. But unusual things, we can make you liable and that's still not going to make you right, hesitate to bring your animal because you're not going to expect it to happen. So if this idea of wagging its tail like crazy was Mishune, okay, we might be able to say, you know what, you're going to have to pay in Rishas Harabim. And that's not going to impact your freedom of movement because it's, it's so unusual that's not going to make you hesitate. Okay? Yeah, so it's a matter of you having a right. I mean, you have a right. You don't have a right to have your animal gore things. I do have a right to have your animal rag its tail. How am I supposed to know that right now? It's going to wag it a little bit vigorously. Right. Okay, so I'm not to blame, whereas Karen, you know... I'm right, so that's true. But so, but on the other hand, your putter also in shame, which is... I mean, you could say regal. It's not just to not constrict my freedom. It's that fundamentally telling me I can use Rishasarabim is telling me I can walk there. But shame is different. Telling me I can use Rishasarabim is not telling me I can eat things there. Certainly not things that don't belong to me. Okay, that my animal can eat them. So, nevertheless, the Petur Shane and regular Rishish Rabin is not because fundamentally you have a right to walk and a right to eat. You don't have a right to eat other people's objects. Okay, it's because fundamentally, this logic is because we can't, since this is a natural thing an animal will do, we have to, we, we, we can't tell you you'd be higher than you, you would, or then it would just completely constrict like your movement. Wagging your tail is natural. Wagging its tail, tail over vigorously. It comes down something natural. Right. So, you're, right. so, what you're saying is that even Kishka is still like even a Mashuna, if it's a Mashuna of an outgrowth of a normal type of a thing, we would have to sort of categorize it the same way. Right, I hear that. Yeah. Uh, it just seems a little backwards because the, the very the same idea that it's that it's unusual should also exempt, exempt you but that's the point but if here if here's like a policy override yeah. right that's a different way of thinking of Rishis Rabin it's not a negligent like it's a policy override type of a question so we only have to do it for the more common but yes I agree with Michael there's a big difference between saying uncommon because fundamentally like that's like Stam Shvar and Shimur animals don't go ahead and gore right it's the complete type of an act that I never expect as opposed to this day my dog decided to do some funny way of eating rather than a normal way of eating, right? Or some crazy wagging instead of a normal wagging. Anyway, but that does raise this question, right? When we say Mishuneh, it pays half, 
how much are we putting it in a Karen category and because of that you're Chayv and Rishat Sarabim? Or how much are we still keeping it in a Rego category and then we could raise questions of Rishat Sarabim? Yes. Yes, so that went back. When we first raised Mishunah, you know, way earlier, but I pointed out that the Gemara is not clear that Mishunah is Chayv and Rishat Sarabim, although most Rishonim assume that it is. But you could say that Mishunah Regal is still a type of a Regal, right? And then you would raise a question, well, what would that mean in Rishat Sarabim? Well, what's the logic of Rishat Sarabim? One way of approaching that is what's the logic of Rishat Sarabim? The other thing to note is that we have now side by side said the two competing, two competing um, um, approaches to Rishat Sarabim. The case of the pebbles going and damaging that I'm high when it goes into your domain but not when it's in the Rishat Sarabim. In both cases, my freedom, it's, it's the same in terms of my freedom of movement. So why am I high? If I have a right to walk and when it does the pebbles and it breaks other vessels in Rishat Sarabim and Pater, why all of a sudden because of the pebble went into Rishat Sarabim and you know, and if you're going to tell me I'm Chayev, that might stop me from bringing my animals here, right? So it seems that the only reason there there's a difference is because in Rishat Sarabim you were negligent because you should have expected this type of damage, whereas when you the damagee, whereas when it was in Rishat Sarabim you're not negligent. So that seems to be the issue of Rishat Sarabim is whether I, the person being damaged, am negligent or to blame. Whereas this discussion, the Kiyoch Zenab is seems to be more the policy issue that we have to give you the freedom to bring your things in Rishat Sarabim. If that were true, I'd be putter even if the pebble went into your domain because my animal has a right to be in Rishat Sarabim. Yeah, yeah. When, when an animal gores, do we investigate the cause of it, whether, whether somebody caused that animal to gore? Yes, if, if, yes, that will come up. If something instigated that animal, that's a different story. Okay, let's just get to the mission. Anyway, this, this I think was so great the Gemara does not, does not seem like it's dealing with what's the reason for Rishat Rabin, but if you just unpack these two side-by-side cases, you have the two major competing reasons for Rishat Rabin. Okay, let's take a look. Now, this is going to be a fun way to end this discussion. If it was wagging its uh, uh, genitalia, its male member there, what's the halacha? And it banged over something. So, Karen, it's driven by its Yetzir Hara. So here too, the Yetzir is fueling this uh, erection here. Okay. Um, Karen is trying to do an intentional act of damage. This is not. So, Mercy says, Teiku. So, that, I don't know. I to me. I know. So, that, like, going back to those question of are we being just formalist here? Like, give me a break. I, right. All along, we assume Karen is coming to the What What does I care if an animal has a little bit of a Yetzir Hara or not? Like, why does that change the nature of the act of damage? Mm-hmm. And, any right, and it certainly does not seem to tap into questions of why you're Pachim and Rishus Harabim. Anyway, this seems to be a few purely category issue, but even as a category issue, why Yitzra Katakva would make a difference does not seem clear. Okay, let's just do the last case. Hatarnagolim, oh, too bad we're going to have to do this quickly, but okay. Hatarnagolim Muadim L'Halei Kedarkon Shaber. Okay, Amaravashi, So this was a case that a bucket was tied to the leg of a chicken and it broke something, okay, that you pay half. So these are, that's only if it, on its own, got tangled up, the, you know, into the leg of the chicken. But if a person tied it, the person who tied it is Chayev. Why? Because we're going to assume that the chicken, it did not damage something through the bucket 
moving in motion. The chicken moved the bucket into a shasarabim and somebody tripped over the bucket. So it's a type of a boar. So then you're chayv. Now you might remember, going back to the first parak, that one of the cases of a boar that was, came from a hybrid of the different categories was boar mitzgal gel beragle adamu beragle behema. That I put something here, an animal kicks it and moves it somewhere else. If I'm negligent in my original placement, and that's then even if it's moved to another place, it's still my boar. Okay, so that's what he's saying. If it moved it, it's going to still be your boar. Now, by the way, is the owner of the animal Chayev if the animal also participated in bringing this board to Rishas Harabim? And the answer is no. Because we're going to see in a minute, the Pasuk is, Ki Yichre Ishbor, Ishbor Velo Shorebor. Only a board dug by a man, not by an animal. So the owner of the animal is not Chayev for the bo- making of the board, only the owner of the board. So, Kasher Adam Chayev. Kasher Adam Chayev, the person who ties it is Chayev. So, Nitzhamel of Man Chayev. One minute, if it did it by itself, who's Chayev? Ilim Abal Hadaliyo, the owner of the bucket. Hey Now again, we're still assuming that it's not hitting something. Somebody's tripping over it. Okay? So, if you put your bucket in a way in a safe place, and then some animal came and drug, dragged it out, you're an honest. You, did, you, you protected your bucket. You didn't make a bore. And you're potter. And if you left it in a place where it could get kicked or tangled by an animal, then it is your bore. Okay, so the owner of the Tarnagal. Now again, we're assuming that somebody tripped over it. One minute. Why? Again, we're assuming it's a boar's case. So why does the owner not pay full damages if his chicken made a boar? So if my chicken makes a boar, I'm exempt. So Okay, so basically, if the case is talking that somebody tripped over it, the, certainly the owner of the chicken can't be chayev. The only possible person to be chayev is the owner of the bucket if he was negligent, because that's the idea of a boar. Ella, you're right. So Mishnah is not dealing with the boar scenario. The Mishnah is that the chicken like threw it and kicked it and it broke it in the tra- you know in, you know and through the motion. It's a type of a throwros. Okay, that's the case of the Mishnah. That's why the owner of the chicken is chayiv because it's throwros. And this same in the Rav Huna, which conceives of a case like this about a boar, that said not on the Mishnah but in general. To Leo Hefter, you have a, a, a bucket that's ownerless. I'm Rav Huna. If it on its own got tied up by a chicken, you're exempt. But if a person tied it up, then he's a posheon. He made a boar. So the Mar said, right. So meaning the Rav Huna's case is a boar case. The mission case is a koho case. Rav Huna's case is a boar case. So you got a boar. The chicken owner of the chicken is going to be exempt because of each boar below shore boar. Is the owner of the bucket going to be chayav? Well, if you consciously tied it up to the chicken, you're going to be chayev. So the Gemara says, Mishum my chayev, or if you were negligent, you don't have to literally tie it to the chicken, but if you were negligent with your bucket, you'd be chayev. Mishum my chayev, because you made a boar that got moved by a, by, a chick, by a person or an animal, but if you're negligent with the bucket and then somebody trips over it, even if they tripped over it in another place, 
because your negligence led to it being moved by an animal to another place, you're still chayev. So this is so again, you cannot be chayev if your animal makes a bore. You can be chayev if you put something down and you're negligent and can anticipate it's going to get moved, or you put it down in Rosh Hashanah and it gets moved to another place. Then that is your bore. The one interesting question which I'll leave with, which is Tosos raises on Rashi, is let's say it's the case that it's the animal's koach, but I was negligent with my bucket. I left my bucket in Rosh Hashanah or let's say Rosh Hashanah whatever it is let's not worry about Rosh Hashanah I left my bucket in a place where I knew it could get kicked by an animal and get dam- and somebody could damage and the animal kicked it and damaged so the owner of the animal pays half because of throwers do I pay what would I be paying for what type of a category would you put that in my bucket got kicked by an animal and I knew that could have happened and it did damage what type of a category is that it's not sure it's not bore right what is it no, so the question is, is it H? You know, you, you put something in a place where some other power can move it and cause it to create damage. Is that like a case of a fire? So Tosa says that would be H. So the owner of the chicken would pay half because of Tsloros, and I'd probably pay the other half because of H, okay? So anyway, that's the, that's the case that the Gemara did not fully explore. All right, we'll end with it.